Man, do I love you guys. I love hearing you praise the Lord and just lift high the name of Jesus. And you know what's, what's, what's great is that God loves to hear it. The scripture tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. And so he is pleased to hear his people lift him up and lift up his goodness and his faithfulness. And his, he is worthy. He's the only one, amen, who is, who is worthy of our praise. And so um, thank you for the releasing that today. And I just want to thank you guys. Um, you, yeah. They truly have figured it out. They have figured out how to help us see and, and walk in the beauty of our Lord and take us right to the throne. And so we're just grateful to you guys uh, very much. And you can go ahead. They're all like, are you releasing us? Yes. And I'm going to let you go ahead and have a seat as I, um, as I just open with this passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 24. Because this is the setting in which we find ourselves studying, okay? So, um, Matthew 24, Jesus and his disciples had just walked out of Jerusalem down through the Kidron Valley and up on the other side of what's called the Mount of Olives, which is one of Jesus' favorite places. Um, you guys are going to Israel in just a couple of weeks, and um, you're going to actually sit in Jesus' favorite place as he could sit on the Mount of Olives and overlook Jerusalem. And as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what be the, will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus had just told them as he walked through the walls of Jerusalem that all of this is going to be torn down. And so the disciples asked, when is it going to happen, and what will be the signs that we will see? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Hmm. I just this morning heard that they think Iran just shot some missiles. Anyway. See that you are not alarmed. <laughs> okay, Lord. Um, and here's why. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So we're coming near the end of our discussion on trying to make sense of what's happening in our world in relation to biblical prophecy. 
And how do we interpret what we are seeing all around us, these signs, these birth pains that Jesus is talking about, that we are seeing the foreshadowing in our day today that we're living in right now of the things that are to come in the tribulation period. So that's what our study is today, and that's what we're going to be working on um, this morning. Would you agree with me that we are living in very disorienting times? It's very hard to know how to live. It's very hard to know how to interpret what's going on around us and how we're supposed to, let me put it this way, it's hard for us to control and manage our emotions in the middle of everything that's happening in us, in in and around us, and to us. I mean, my heart, I hope you're still praying for those of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the whole Ukraine crisis, Russia crisis. It's just so heartbreaking, the news that is coming out about what's happening to those in the family of God over there, not, let alone everybody else, um, with the crisis of humanity that's happening there. Very hard times to live in, for sure. <clears throat> I was listening to a man named Ed Stetzer this week, who is a pastor, a former pastor. He's a dean and an author at Wheaton College, and I was listening to a seminar on what he calls and what he thinks we're going through is a national cultural convulsion. He, he talks about how our nation has done this and will go through what he calls a 60-year cycle, a convulsion, a cultural convulsion. Every 60 years, our nation will go through it, and it will result in a moral convulsion at the same time. It will actually launch a moral convulsion. So you got all this happening in our culture. And um, he, re- he references the 1960s, which was the last time we went through one of these major cultural convulsions that ended up in a moral convulsion. How many of you were here during that time? And, and you... Like, we're actually awake during the 1960s. Like, you weren't high during the 1960s. <laughs> you actually remember the 1960s. How, how many of you? Okay, so, so, like, I was born in 1962. And so I was, like, coming up and in, in in growing up during this tumultuous time in our nation. But you can, it doesn't take much study to go back and realize the convulsion that was happening, the cultural convulsion that we went through. Um, that resulted in a moral crisis, moral convulsion. Do you remember? I mean, from the civil rights movement to the space race to Beatlemania that was all happening in those times. This man, Ed Stetzer, he points out that we will always result in a downward spiral that will take us years to climb out of. And he believes we're in one of those right now. But the 60s were full of turmoil, 
definite polarization, you guys remember that? Over all kinds of things, which brought division and ultimately permanently changed our culture. And we're living through some of those changes today. But now we're entering into another one. But I thought it'd be fun for those of us in, who are old enough to remember those days um, to reminisce a little bit about the 60s. You want to do that? Here are some of the things that came out of it. and uh, So I, I chose some famous quotes that come out of the 60s. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the quote and see if you can remember or if you know who said these things. Some of them will be easy, some won't be. Okay, you ready? And for those of you who like get the most uh, right answers, we have a special prize for you. Um, not really. I will give you a, like an extra bowl of chili tonight at the chili cook-off, all right? Here's the first one. Um, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Okay, you guys are supposed to wait until. <laughs> okay, this is the test one, okay? From now on, they're going to wait until I say who the person is, give you a second. But Andy Warhol, and you might like me, who, who is Andy Warhol? Watch Men in Black 3, and you'll understand who Andy Warhol is. Anyway, he's the father of the pop art movement. I mean, the dude has to be some kind of prophet. Did he know that the internet was coming and that you'd be so much more cool online? Everyone will have his time, his moment of famous, will be famous for 15 minutes. Yeah, he was a pop art movement father and um, he was the first to live an open gay lifestyle before the gay liberation movement even began. And that's what he is known for. All right, here's the next one. Now guys, back there in the back room. Please, especially this one, do not reveal the person. <laughs> and you have to wait until I say the quote, too, all right? <laughs> They're messing me up here. Yabba dabba do. Hey, Fred Flintstone, yes, yes, way to go. I'm so proud of you guys. Fred Flintstone lived between 1960 and 1966, very short life. Um, still know about Fred Flintstone, so. All right, here's one. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Of course, we know it's President John F. Kennedy, 35th President of the United States, assassinated on that, out in the open on that horrible day on November 22nd, 1963. These are the things that really marked us. You're going to hear more that really marked those days of cultural convulsion. Here's one, you can't separate peace from freedom because no one can be at peace unless he has his freedom. No guesses? Malcolm X. Malcolm X said that. Prominent leader during the Civil Rights Movement and was assassinated on February 21st, 1965. Here's one that's, that's disturbing. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. John Lennon. John Lennon said that. Lead singer for the Beatles, well-known peace, uh, an anti-Vietnam war activist, 
shot and killed by, ironically, a Beatles fan. Um, I got news for John. And by the way, John knows the truth right now that um, Christianity is going to outlive rock and roll all day long. Amen. We just sang about that this morning. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat, button up my sleeve, presto. Are you kidding me? Of course, Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle J. Moose, 1959 to 1964. Do you guys remember the Bullwinkle Rocky show? I love that. Here's one. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And of course, you know that it is Neil Armstrong, that incredible day that he walked on the moon, July 21st, 1969. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, and that all men are created equal. Martin Luther King Jr., an American Baptist pastor and the most visible spokesman and leader of the civil rights movement, assassinated on April the 4th, 1968. Crazy time in our nation's history, the 60s, that led into the 70s, which is another crazy time. But if you lived through that, you, will be, you're you can testify to the cultural and moral convulsion that took place. Free love flowed out of that time. Free sex flowed out of that time. And a lot of coming out came out in that time. Those days and that cultural and moral convulsion carries with it three realities that I want to talk to you today about. The first is, and you'll go to your notes on this, a time of great shaking will always come during a cultural and moral convulsion. Things that are happening right now on a local, state national and global scale were unimaginable just a few years ago. I believe we're in the middle of one of these cultural convulsions that's resulting in a moral convulsion and is shaking our nation today. I mean, some of the things that we're experiencing right now were unimaginable just a few months ago. Forget a few years ago. We've, I believe, my friends, I believe we have completely lost our way. We're leaderless. Not in the sense that no one occupies the White House, but in the sense that those who are occupying the White House aren't at home. And they're totally clueless. They don't know what's going on. It's incredibly disturbing. Things that seem so simple. Decisions that need to be made. Decisions that seemingly a kindergartner could make are like mountains for these people to climb. And actually, in my opinion, the opposite is in full swing. 
totally unwise and decisions that are being made on our behalf that make absolutely no sense. Just the opposite of common sense. And everybody around me is, is, this this is the conversation. What are they doing? Have they lost their minds? I've even had people say to me, and I actually believe it because I know that there is a battle going on in the spiritual realm. I mean, are these people being demon-possessed? Are they being demon-controlled? Probably. Now, don't walk out of here and say, Phil said that Joe Joe Biden is demon-possessed. I did not say that. But the kind of decisions that are being made that are contrary to normal common sense drives me crazy. And then they stand right in your face and try to tell you and try to make you believe and doing everything to drive it down your throat that we're doing this for your best interest, with your best interest in mind. We're doing this for your good. And you're sitting there saying, no, you're not. You're killing us here. Can somebody stand up who's got some common sense and make some good decisions? Not in the middle of a cultural convulsion. Anybody in the 60s remember? Do you remember? Same thing happening. What is going on? What are we seeing all around us? What kind of decisions are these? Same thing happening. mind-numbing, it's, it's like it's infuriating to me, and I, I need to calm myself down. Because when these things happen, and what we're in the middle of it now, this, this, this shaking of our nation, it shakes our faith in everything. I'm not talking about the church right now. We're gonna talk about that in a second. I'm talking about the nation. Who can you trust Who can you rely on? Is there a source somewhere? Just please, someone stand up and tell us the truth, even if it's hard to hear, even if it hurts. I'll take it. Don't try to re-script everything. Just tell us the truth about what's happening out there. Who's looking out? For our best interest, who can you turn to for help in a time like this? The great shaking of our nation is shaking our foundation. When author David Brooks wrote this, levels of trust in this country, in our institutions, in our politics, in each other, are in a precipitous decline. When social trust collapses, Nations fall. And I got to tell you that I believe the same could be said of the church during these cultural and moral convulsions as well. This so-called Church of Jesus Christ that we're part of is being shaken right now. Just look around. 
whole denominations are walking away from solid, clear, biblical truths that they have held to and they have taught for centuries. They're now, quote unquote, redefining the scriptures and they're rethinking biblical teaching to fit a woke agenda and a culture that is convulsing right now and trying to demand a different narrative from the church of Jesus Christ. And churches and denominations are caving to that right now. It's happening all around. Pastors are teaching a socially acceptable doctrine and a socially acceptable gospel these days. Listen to me. Um, God doesn't care if his church is woke or not. He told us that the truth of his gospel is going to be offensive to those who do not believe it. And if he didn't water it down, why are we? And why is that? Why I know why we're tempted to. But that's not what he has called us to do. God doesn't want his church to be woke. He wants his church to be right. And in the middle of a crisis like we are in today, in a cultural and moral crisis that we find ourselves in, where no one can believe anybody and no one knows who to trust and no one knows where to turn, if you can't turn to the church, then we're completely toast. The whole world is toast. Literally, read the back of the book. God wants his church to be bastions of righteousness, to be pillars of truth. And hear me now. Oh, my man, am I going to say this? I'm not talking about how the church responded in the 60s to the cultural convulsion and the moral convulsion. I'm not talking about their silly and in many cases, ridiculous and legalistic rules that they thought, if we just make a bunch of rules, then we'll make all the church people do right. That is not how you respond to this kind of stuff. As though how much hair comes over your ears or touches your collars somehow is attached to your heart's righteousness. Or if a woman who wears pants can be trusted to be a virtuous woman, do I need to go on? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Silly, ridiculous, stupid rules that we made in order to counter this cultural convulsion. And all it did was make people sit in a little box of do's and don'ts. And as, as long as I check the box here and I look like I'm supposed to look like, then I'm a good Christian. No, it just means other people might think that you are because you're checking off the boxes has nothing to do with going on in your heart. Why am I so upset about this right now? I'll tell you why. Because it messed people up in the church of Jesus Christ during those days. 
it gave people a false sense of righteousness. Your righteousness does not come from the things that you do on the outside. When you're righteous on the inside, then the things that come out will be righteous because you're righteous on the inside. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and the life lives. It is if the good thing that a man does on the outside is because of the good things that he has stored up in his heart. If you flip it on its head, you're creating a culture, a church culture that is false and is fake. I'm not talking about responding in that way. It is only the truth, the scripture says, that will set us free. Not the cultural norms and certainly not compromising in the middle of the crisis. It's a time of great shaking in the church that is happening right now. And we need to, like never before, be solid with our foundation on God and his word. Not on our opinions, not on what's comfortable, on God and his word, and it's gonna get harder as we get deeper into the end times. Hopefully you are with me, and you will support us, the elders and deacons of this church, the leadership of this church, as we continue to take a stand when it gets harder and harder. We're committed to that. It also brings a time of great sorting This happens ideologically where where people begin to pick sides and they're forced to choose who they can relate to and who they're going to listen to and who they're going to associate with. Based on this convulsion that's happening, people are looking around like, who am I gonna attach myself to? And the lines are being drawn politically, socially, racially, and religiously like never before. You can see it happening everywhere. You can see it in Christ's church right now, can't you? There is a sorting, there is a movement, there is a happening where people are going, okay, I need to, be, I need to make sure I am with someone who I can relate to and I can believe and I can lock into according to the belief system that I know to be true from the word of God. And there's a sorting that's happening, and I don't want to talk any more about that except that there is within the church, and it's following these realities that come. And I'm telling you, it's all going to have a massive effect on the church going forward because it's causing people to rethink how they view God and how they view the Bible and its entire belief system. If you look, you can see the shaking of the church and of our nation and the sorting in our nation and as a result in the church and then the end result of all of this is that there will be a time of great disengagement which we're gonna spend the rest of our time talking about and next week um, talking about. A time of dissension and division and cultural destruction but in some cases the doctrine destruction of, of unity in the church of Jesus Christ. Destruction of 
the peace in the body of Christ, which is what is so close to the heart of Christ, that his church be one, perfectly one, he prayed. That's his desire for his church. Ed Stetzer called it a time of great disengagement. Jesus calls it the great falling away. And this is what we're going to work on because the Bible teaches us that many will fall away. Now, <clears throat> let me begin this part with this and just, just relax, okay? This, today is really setting us up for a biblical discussion next week in the parables of Jesus Christ, okay? So just take in the introduction. This is like a giant introduction today. We are supposedly, at least in our foundation, in our beginning as a nation, we are one nation under God. Right? Did you know that one quarter of our population, 25%, one quarter of our population are millennials? A millennial is, are those who are born between 1981 and 1996. So how many of you here today, raise your hand high and be, be proud, you are a millennial. You were born between 1981 and 1996. Okay, everyone look around, raise your hands so we know, look around. These are our millennials, okay? Our nation is filled with 25% of our nation is filled with you. There are more than 71 million of you in America today. Researchers did a study on you and your religious affiliations in 2008. And I've got a graph showing you the results of that. 31.9%, almost one third of you, checked the none box on the survey when asked about your religious affiliation. So 10 years later, 2018, they did another study, the same one, and that number jumped to 42.7%, which is shocking and heartbreaking that almost half of the millennials living in America, when asked, do you have a religious affiliation, they said, no, we have none Now, as heartbreaking and shocking as that might be, and as our mission in this world of the church is to be equipped to go and infiltrate, is that the right word? And, and, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be out there. I mean, what a mission field for the church that 35 million millennials out there in America have no religious affiliation. How awesome. That's like a clean slate. You don't have to like deprogram them off of some religion that they were part of in order to have them hear the truth of God's word. What a great mission field that we have. But as heartbreaking and shocking as those numbers are, that is not what Jesus is describing and talking about in Matthew when he says there's going to be a great falling away. The falling, the falling away is not your average person deciding to not be churchgoers anymore or choosing not to be affiliated with religion at all. Jesus is talking about something much deeper and much more depression, depressed than that. He's talking about people who have walked with Christ 
walked with his church, have lived the life, have tasted of the living water, and yet at some point, and for a myriad of reasons, choose to walk away from Jesus himself. They choose to depart from the faith. Like this pastor... who wrote, I have undergone, I think we have this on the screen here. I have undergone a massive shift to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurement that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. He goes on to describe his unbiblical sexual decisions and gay lifestyle that he had been hiding for all the years of his ministry that led to the departure from and destruction of his marriage and family. Things that he had been teaching for years, sexual purity that he built his church upon, wrote a best-selling book, called I Kissed Dating Goodbye, sold a million and a half copies of it, went on to write another book, built a church and, and, and established this church and built it on sexual purity, on the, and rightly so, because that's what the Bible teaches, that anything outside the marriage family, any sexual activity outside the marriage family unit that God established between one man and one woman for life is sexual immorality and is sin. And he taught that, and rightly so, in his church. But the whole time, he says in an interview, I was living a lie, I was a hypocrite, because I was leading a sexual, sinful, sexual lifestyle secretly, and yet standing in the pulpit and teaching the scriptures on what God says about it, and I didn't even believe it myself. And so I am walking away. I am defecting from the faith. I am walking away. I am not a Christian in the way that I have described a Christian, and yet he doesn't believe that the way he has always described a Christian is a Christian. I love you, you know that, right? I really do. Sometimes I say things that are hurtful because they're true. And I, I hate hurting people. This pastor went on to apologize for teaching against a gay lifestyle. 
from teaching against the LGBTQ agenda and community by saying, not preaching against it, but preaching against it by saying that in God's sight and according to God's word, it is sin. And so he apologized on his exit from the faith and he apologized and he said, I apologize to the LGBTQ community for preaching the way that I have in the bigoted manner that I did and teaching you that, there's, that, the, that your lifestyle is wrong. And that I did not support your role in the church. Let me, can I just, we're in a cultural convulsion which automatically takes us into a moral convulsion. And we're in the middle of that right now to the point where we can't talk about or we are gonna be condemned for or we're going to be labeled for talking about sinful, clear commands in the scripture and definitions in the scripture of sexual immorality and what that is. And somehow, if we call that out to people's attention, it's unloving and it's bigoted, it's hate speech. It is not. Can you hear me clearly? Those of you who are at home or wherever you are watching online, please don't click off on me right now. It is not a loving thing to withhold truth about a person's life when there is con- there are con- condemnation, there, there is judgmental, there are consequences that are clearly spelled out in the scripture and God's judgment is coming upon those who will not turn and repent of their sin. There is a, it isn't a loving thing to not tell people that they're in trouble and to warn them. That's actually my job is to warn people and to help, if I can, pull somebody back from the edge of the cliff because they're getting ready to fall to their eternal destruction. It is my job to grab onto them and say, don't go there. Repent of your sin and turn from it, just like I did. It was a loving thing that somebody came to me and said, Phil, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Shocking, yes. Hateful? No, it is the loving thing to do. It's not okay to let your brother or your sister or your friend walk down a path and you know that that path, that the end of the path is full of dead bones and, and dead bodies laying everywhere and they're headed towards that to not say, stop, you're going the wrong way. How dare you say that to me? I wanna go down that way, I know. I did too, and your heart is pulling you there, but you're going to die at the end of that. Nothing good is down there. It's just rotten, stinking bones down there. You're so hateful to stop me from doing what I want. No, I love you. And because I love you, 
I want you to know the truth. Can I just say to you, if you're struggling with sexual immorality, that's what the Bible calls it. If you're struggling with addictions that are ungodly and taking you into sinful places, if you're struggling with doing sinful things that you know are sinful in the dark places of your life, I want to say to you that there are consequences at the end of those roads that you're on, and you need to turn. And the invitation is repent of your sin and come and be free. You, whatever you're seeking and whatever you want down that road, whatever you think you're going to get, you can only find in Jesus Christ. This pastor literally saved our family. I read this book when our kids were teenagers getting ready to start dating. And we kissed dating goodbye. And as a result... It turned my children's minds and their hearts to righteousness in their relationships, their healthy relationships that they were seeking. And they were pure until they were married because of the principles that this pastor taught us. And we instilled in our families and many, many millions of kids have, have lived accordingly because of it. And yet he walks away from his faith. Heartbreaking but not something new. Do you remember Demas? Uh, who's Demas? Okay, Demas, Demas walked with Paul and was a help to Paul and a servant to Paul and Silas on their missionary journeys. And Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, Demas has forsaken me and he's turned from his faith because he loves this present world. You remember Judas? Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas actually may be one of the clearest examples of this falling away because he was with Jesus in his inner circle. He had full access to Jesus. He had Jesus' trust. He walked and talked and lived with Jesus for three years. He witnessed his miracles. He watched him transform people's lives and broken lives and he sat at his feet and he experienced the supernatural God purity of his soul in his heart, in his teaching. And yet, after tasting of all that, he walked away in betrayal for 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because he loves this present world. Throughout of all church history, many have taken up the banner of Jesus Christ only to lay it down again. And we all know people like this and it's heartbreaking the official term for this is apostasy and let me be clear apostasy is not the same as atheism atheism says there is no god Apost apostasy applies to those who appear to be christians those who claim to be Christ followers but then turn their backs on him and walk away. Now, I'm going to read a quote that will help us on this, but I want you to hear loud and clear. Apostasy and what we're talking about in this falling away are not believers who lose their salvation. 
I don't have time to take all you through all this. We have talked about this in the past, but here's the deal. If you're questioning whether or not you can lose your salvation, if you truly had salvation, you cannot lose it. And if you truly have salvation, you will not walk away from it. You possess the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, if you go to bed, if you're truly saved and you go to bed, you don't have to worry that you forgot to confess some sin before you went to sleep and that if you died in your sleep, you would end up in hell because you forgot to confess that sin. Now, when you confess your sin and you repent and you truly are saved, he forgives you of all of your sins and then the scripture is clear that he holds your salvation. Aren't you glad that your salvation isn't dependent upon you being good? Because if it is, again, we're all toast. Because we're all gonna mess it up. No, the scripture's clear in Ephesians chapter one and many other places that once you are saved, the Holy Spirit is actually inside of us and he is the seal guaranteeing our redemption. Now, if you're truly saved, you can't lose your salvation and those who are truly saved will not walk away from their salvation. John Walver, the president of Dallas Seminary, former president of Dallas Seminary, once said this, spiritual apostasy occurs when a person who once claimed to be a believer departs from what he formerly professed to believe. An apostate is not one who was saved and then lost his or her salvation. An apostate, though having claimed to be a believer, never was saved in the first place. You're probably asking, why are we talking about this, Phil? Well, here's the answer, because in our study that we're in the middle of, we can clearly see from the scriptures that one of the signs of the coming of the Savior is the rising number of self-proclaimed followers of Christ who will defect and walk away from Jesus and his church. Look at second, you, you guys okay? You got a couple more minutes in you? Because I could stop right now and pick it up next week. That's the good thing about church is that we just come back next week. Yeah, what if Jesus comes back? Then we'll know everything for sure. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You might want to jump there with me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Where Paul's addressing some issues that the Thessalonians, these, the Thessalonians were brand new believers um, at the ends of the earth that had come to Christ. And he says in verse one, now dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision or revelation or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for, here, here's the key, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion. Your Bible might call it a falling away. That day will not come until there is a great falling away or a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destructions. The Thessalonians were being told that Jesus had already come and that they were in the great tribulation because of the persecution that they were experiencing. And Paul was telling them and making it clear that their persecution was not the sign to look for because all Christians down through all times are gonna suffer persecution. Jesus Christ said that. He goes, they're gonna hate you because they hate me. And in this world, you're going to suffer. 
Scripture is also clear that those who want to live godly lives are going to suffer persecution. So it wasn't the persecution that you look for. He told them that the thing to look for was an increased apostasy, an increased falling away from those on the church who say that they believe. And my friends, what we have been describing today and we're talking about today is happening right before our very eyes right now in the church of Jesus Christ. A great convulsion is happening in the church and it's creating a great shaking and a great sorting and a great disengagement. In fact, we could very well be on the front edge of the great falling away that Paul and Jesus were describing. I actually believe that we are. But listen, we aren't looking for a great revival to break out as awesome as that would be. I've heard people talking and people have challenged me and said, shouldn't we be praying for revival? Absolutely, pray for revival. But if you wanna pray for something and be passionate about praying for something, pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the believers to have a passion to go share the gospel and that the Holy Spirit will bring many to salvation right now because the end is racing upon us. We aren't told that just before Jesus comes back, there's gonna be a great spiritual awakening, a great spiritual revival. We're not told that. In fact, it's just the opposite. Scriptures makes it clear that we're looking for a great falling away, not a movement towards Jesus, but a movement away from Jesus and a movement towards the man of lawlessness. And when that falling away happens, then the Antichrist will rise. That's what this scripture says. The Antichrist will not rise until this great falling away happens, who, by the way, is going to set himself up as and will deceive the world into believing that he is the true Messiah. But a false Messiah. But he will be, the scripture says, the final Antichrist. And the whole world will flock to his leadership because he will promise them, listen to this and see the comparison, he will promise them salvation and he'll promise them provision and he'll promise them safety and he'll promise them deliverance from all the chaos brought about by the rapture and the world wars and the famine and all the world will come before his image and worship at his feet and will take his name as a mark upon their bodies the mark of the beast, the scripture says, and they will bear his name. Can you see the deception of the great counterfeit that Satan is as he sets himself up to be the Messiah? And Israel will actually embrace him. First John 2, and I will end with this, John, 1 John 2, 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. Now catch this. They went out from us. So where do some of these Antichrists come from? How heartbreaking. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. If you're like me, then you're asking yourself, how can this happen? 
How could anybody who has tasted of the goodness of Christ ever choose to fall away? Well, Jesus told us how in a parable that we're gonna work through next week. So I'm gonna end our time with that. I'm not trying to depress you. Actually, for those of us who get it, as we are learning about it, it shouldn't bring depression, even though it's heartbreaking to see. It should actually inspire us and excite us even a little bit that God knew all of this was going to happen, that God told us is going to happen, and that he has a plan for you and me and the fulfillment of it all. We've got a lot of work to do, but our God, our Father in heaven, who is sovereign over all things, he's got it. And he's got us. And he's counting on us to stand for righteousness in this convulsing world that we're living in right now. Stand with me and let me pray over you. Father, we pray that you'll help us with this. We don't pretend to know how to fully understand it or how to live it through, live it out, but we trust in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you gave us your word and that there is something in this world that we're living in right now that we can hold on to and trust. I pray that the church of Jesus Christ all over the world will be beacons of light that everyone who's groping in the darkness will be able to come to and find truth that will set them free. And I pray that someone here today listening to my voice and someone online that's listening to my voice will not hear me but will hear your Holy Spirit and that they will come to the light of the truth and that they will repent of their sin and be saved today. And if that's you that I'm talking to and you're in the room right now, we want to help you with that. You can be saved today. Just give your heart to Jesus. Return, turn from your sin. Humble yourself. Repent of your sin. Those of you who are online, if that's you, reach out to us. Let us help you. But please, please, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and the call and the conviction of the Holy Spirit today and give your heart to Jesus. Lord, strengthen us all as we move from this place and go out and live for you in this crazy world we're living in. Help us to be light and give us somebody even today to share Jesus with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for your patience and listening. Thank you so much for joining us for this morning's online service. Our hope is that it ministered to your heart deeply, and we pray that it inspires you to love God, love people, and influence our world with the gospel of Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or you'd like prayer in your life, we'd invite you to fill out an online connection card by clicking on the link. If you haven't downloaded our church app yet, now's a great time. It has tons of resources and opportunities that you can take advantage of. 
Finally, you can check out our website, fbcelkhart.org, to stay connected with us. We hope you have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you right back here next week, same time.